This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Gabby, football is coming. I can smell it. I'm excited. We got watch list season happening. We have preseason polls, preseason first teams uh, being released. And we know the start date for preseason practices slash fall camp is August 6th. Uh, So I'm excited. This is a fun time of year. Uh, We got college football as we know it kind of getting blown up and we'll get into all this and recruiting here in this podcast but uh gabby let's just start how you doing man good man it's a uh, it's a wedding week so uh just yeah. a lot of, a lot of prep and all that stuff but uh honestly really excited for football it feels like it's right around the corner i'm probably gonna miss the first probably definitely the first day of fall camp you know just kind of being out, out of town and stuff with my with my future wife, uh, so but really excited that football's right around the corner, man, and uh, definitely looking forward to this 2021 season. Hopefully, you know we can get through this one a little bit more smooth than than we did the last one. So definitely excited about that. Yeah, big week for Gabby as he is tying the knot. Uh, excited to celebrate the Rutias this weekend. Um, so yeah, it'll be a fun time at, at Gabby's wedding. But let's get into it now. Uh, let's get into the podcast and, and let's start here, Gabby, discussing kind of the ACC preseason polls, ACC first teams, all that good stuff. Let's start with the polls. Um, so the uh, ACC media that was up at the um, ACC media days last week voted who they thought would be the overall champion. And then they placed the various teams in the Atlantic and Coastal Divisions. Uh, for those that missed it, Clemson, of course, was um, voted the predicted champion, receiving 125 of the votes, 125 of the 147 votes um, in that poll. They were also, of course, voted to win the Atlantic Division. And in the Coastal Division, North Carolina, uh, kind of a definitive winner, I would say, over Miami in the Coastal Division, who was second. Uh, North Carolina received 109 first-place votes for the Coastal Division, while Miami received 28 first-place votes in the Coastal Division. Uh, Coastal was was tight, as usual, uh, after Miami. Virginia Tech edged out Pittsburgh by six votes uh and then pittsburgh was ahead of virginia by just like 30 votes so 
or 30 points. I don't know the system that they used to tally this up, but uh, it's, it's all very close in that coastal division, coastal chaos. So Gabby, I guess I wanted to get just your take. Uh, number one, did you think Miami where they were slotted in that coastal division was fair? And number two, did any time, any team, you know, whether it's Atlantic or coastal surprise you with where they were slotted in these preseason polls? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought Miami ended up in a fair spot. Like I feel like we talked about it and uh, you know, just based off everything we've seen, uh, I think North Carolina uh, probably should be considered the favorite in the coastal. So, uh, you know, not surprised to see Miami coming in the two spot um, looking around after that, you know, not a lot. I mean, again, I know we went through our polls, I think on the last pod, David. So, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I'm a little higher on Virginia, you know, based on what I saw last year than maybe some others are uh, maybe have them a little bit higher. Maybe I'm not as high on Virginia tech. It seems like there's a little, a, a couple things that are going to be shaking around there, especially at the quarterback position. So maybe I have a few more question marks about Virginia tech than maybe others do. But uh, otherwise, I mean, I look at the Atlantic and again, we feel like that's, that could be pretty fluid in terms of just really like that, those, those three to five spots as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, n- not a, not a lot of pushback, honestly, on, on everything I've seen. And, you know, I definitely feel like that number two spot's probably fair for Miami at this point. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I think big picture wise, the way to look at it, Clemson's a cut above, right? Uh, then it's North Carolina, Miami and the coastal kind of very close 1A, 1B, NC State, kind of that next tier in the Atlantic. And then it's it's a big group kind of in the middle there. Yeah. Um, and we said that in the last podcast. Um, but yeah, the, the preseason polls kind of uh, echoed that sentiment that we had in our previous podcast. Let's move on to the preseason all ACC football teams. So the ACC only re- for the preseason, they only release one kind of first team, all conference, you see some conference, like I think the SEC, they released three uh, preseason, all SEC teams. <laughs> That's not how the ACC rolls. So uh, the pickings are, it's tough to get in that first team, all ACC, right? Um, I think if I remember right, Gabby, we thought that Miami in our previous podcast, we thought Miami may be able to get three in there. It turns out they only got two with safety Bubba Bolden and punter Lou Headley making the first team preseason all ACC team. Um, Were you surprised it was only two or now do you feel like it is fair in hindsight? And if, if it's unfair, who got snubbed? Yeah. I mean, I I feel like it's pretty fair. Uh, I mean, on the offensive side, like I I do think Mike Harley had, um, you know, a route to potentially be, be on there. But, I mean, you do got the Zay Flowers. I mean, I, I when we talked about it before, I honestly kind of forgot about Justin Ross at Clemson. Like, he didn't really play last year, but yeah, we've seen what he's he, the one. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a guy that, like, you know, at his best, he's probably the best receiver in the ACC. So, you know, not, su- not super surprised to see him on there. Um, and, I mean, otherwise, you know, maybe a Zion Nelson, again, just with, like, the first-round love he's sort of getting. But – you know, you got the NC State offensive lineman and you've got Jordan McFadden from Clemson there. So, again, a Clemson offensive lineman, probably going to get the nod there over a guy like Zion Nelson. So, um, you know, not, again, not, not a ton of pushback. I, I sort of get it. I think a lot of these guys are in sort of a prove-it mode right now. Um, sure. Not super surprised to see some of those guys be left off. But uh, it was exciting to see Bubba Bolden. And, I mean, Lou Headley was probably the most obvious choice of, uh, you know, any of the Miami players. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, the biggest gripe probably is Mike Harley, like you were saying. Um, but, you know, Justin Ross, when he was at his best, certainly deserves to be on this list. There's just a lot of unknown with his serious injury, you know, the way he's coming back. Um, but he has shown it in the past. And if he's close to that form, he deserves to be on this team. Zion Nelson, I'm with you. I, I think it's a little surprising. I think Zion honestly is better than Jordan McFadden at a Clemson. Like yeah. I was surprised to see McFadden on the team period. Yeah. Um, I thought I like that's just like the Clemson, the natural Clemson love at right. this point. I thought Vrabel from Boston college, I believe his first name's Tyler. Um, he, I thought he was going to be the, the, the guy who might bump Zion Nelson out of the, the preseason first team, but he didn't make it either. So um, just nitpicking, I guess uh, I will say this. There were four teams without any all ACC representation. Gabby, you ready for this Homer point yeah. I'm about to make? Um, I, I, I love it. I love it. Drop it on me. Okay. So one uh, Syracuse, you know, that's understandable. Syracuse is kind of thought of they're pro they're in contention for being the worst team in the ACC this year, probably them and Duke. Right. Duke did have a player on this list, though. Running back Mateo Durant made the preseason first team. Um, Louisville did not have a player uh, on the preseason first team. Pittsburgh did not have a player on the preseason first team, which I kind of found a little surprising. I think they have a lot of bubble type guys that you could yeah. make an argument deserve to be on it. And then the fourth team uh, that did not have any uh, representation on this all ACC team is Florida state, um, which, you know, I think just kind of drives home the point that really Florida state doesn't have much top end talent on their roster this year. And we will see, you know, just how, how that translates uh, on the field. So just a, a, a point worth making there. Um, anything else to touch on with the, the preseason polls or all ACC teams, Gabby? No, I mean, I'm looking at the preseason poll right here. I guess from earlier today, it says 37 days, six hours, and 16 minutes on my screenshot. So let's right go. around the corner, man. I'm ready. Um, let's move on to some Miami Hurricanes news, right? Um, I believe it was late Sunday night. It was reported by 24-7 Sports that Jalar Hawley, um, I believe he was a third-year redshirt freshman. It's hard to know how to categorize these guys with the free year of eligibility due to the 2020 season. But Jalar Hawley has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Um, again, as with anyone who hits the transfer portal, we wish them the best of luck, uh, no matter what they decide to do, right? Um, this is their right their choice it's their career so hopefully uh everything turns out okay um you know i just think this my take on this gabby is i think it was going to be tough for jalar to see a path on the field not only this year but probably even next year right you look at the depth chart you have guys like uh leonard taylor i i'm a big elijah roberts fan um you know jared harrison hunt if he's, if he comes back next year, I just, I think it's going to be tough for Jalar Holly to crack the playing rotation anytime soon. 
And so when that's the case, I, I can't blame the guy for trying to search for options elsewhere. Um, anything else you want to add on this? Yeah, you know, I, I, mean, I feel like, my, I, I mean, I think that, you know, the transfer portal is obviously like a scary place to sort of be with all the numbers that they've come out. But I mean, Jalar Holly feels like a guy that's probably thought this one through, you know, participated in spring. I feel like kind of doing it the right way where he just sort of sees the writing on the wall, not just like one of those situations where I'm not playing, I'm leaving. Uh, I feel like there's a guy that tried to compete, kind of saw where he stood, you know, throughout the spring and all that. Uh, with Jess Simpson coming back, who was his high school coach, I believe it was his high school coach at well, at least one point in high school or just like in that area or whatever it was. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those situations that just didn't work out. So, um, you know, wishing him the best for sure. Yeah. And I'll say this, you know, not necessarily the biggest body type you would want to see at defensive tackle. Um, you know, when you compare him to, to other younger defensive tackles on the roster, you know, a guy like Quentin Williams, right? Like he's not necessarily projected to play this year, probably, but he at least has a frame where yeah. you can see it in the future. Right. Um, and those line of scrimmage positions are development positions anyways, but the number one starting point is in my opinion, like body type, right? Body type slash athleticism. Do they have big frames and are they athletic big frames? And I do think Jalar Hotley's athletic. I'm just not sold about on his frame, uh, you know, at the power five level, I guess I would say. Um, so wish Jalar the best of luck, um, wherever his landing spot is. Um, let's get into just, and I don't know where we're going to go with this Gabby. Um, cause there's a million talking points, I guess we could go, uh, on this topic. It's, it's the topic of college football right now. And that is realignment, right. With Texas and Oklahoma, uh, as of what Tuesday morning, it was reported that they are, um, requesting to join the sec so that certainly seems like it is happening it is a matter of time before they are a part of the sec uh not going to happen this year but you know it's going to get figured out i guess is what i'm what i'm saying um i guess where i kind of start with this i mean you know let's be clear this is, this is all about the money, and this is kind of just where college football in general is going now, now anyways. Um, you know, I think TV deals are uh, – there, there's a lot of incentives there at the college level. Uh, there's a lot of money being handed out with these, with, with these TV deals. I think the NIL, the, the, the ability of players – being able to make money kind of sped this up too. Um, and, you know, in a way I do think, I do think, you know, schools kind of look at it as, okay. Uh, if players are able to make money off of their name, image, and likenesses, and if a lot of those deals might potentially come from our booster pool, right. Our boosters that have businesses might be giving money to the players instead of the programs we need to go find ways to make even more money in the future, right? They're, they're having foresight. They're looking 10, 15, 20 years down the road, and they know these big TV deals are how they can uh, get more money, right, for their programs. Um, and so obviously Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12, 
going to the SEC will probably more than double the amount of money they make annually um, in, in TV deals when they do join the SEC. Uh, and, and of course, when, when these type of moves happen, there is a ripple effect, right? Um, and, and so the question from a Miami perspective is where does the ACC go? What is the move the ACC makes? And the easy answer is going and getting Notre Dame, I think. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like Notre Dame is very motivated to do that. They, they enjoy their independence. The 12-team college football playoff proposal, um, I think Notre Dame is more than fine with. You know, I, I don't think their path to that 12-team playoff proposal is hindered at all if they stay independent. And so I think that puts the ACC in a tough spot. And so I'll throw it to you now. Um, let's just, there's been lots of theories thrown out there, not even just Miami, just in general, what conferences yeah. should do, right? And so I'm curious, like, let's all, let's both throw out our quote unquote crackpot theories of like what Miami and or the ACC should do moving forward in our opinions. And I'll give you the first take. Gabby man I mean I've said this like I mean I'm a I'm a fan I mean I'm not a fan of what's happening just like off the jump like I I I get why it's happening I just hate what it means for like the rest of college sports or just like the rest of the big 12 like it's gonna kill the traditions right all these moves yeah it feels like it's just gonna kill a lot of stuff like I feel like I mean, how can you consider any of those big 12, the red, like the big 12, as it stands now, like how can you consider that a power five conference without Oklahoma and without Texas? So, right. I mean, I feel like that, do, I feel like it does a lot. To, I feel like it definitely hurts the sport more than it helps it. Um, I mean, if this is just the way things are trending, I think Miami has a brand, a brand big enough where they can find a way to capitalize off this, uh, whether that is, you know, the, well, if the ACC is not able to even if Notre Dame is not willing to join the ACC, I think Miami might should potentially look for maybe a way to join the big 10 or something like that. I mean, I think there's a lot of positive that can come out of that. Let's say, I mean, my dream scenario is like Miami potentially going to the big 10, uh, you know, let's say North Carolina were to join them to just build an act, an act like to, an academic powerhouse. I mean, imagine Miami, North Carolina, you got Purdue, you got Northwestern, you got Michigan, you got just a bunch of really good schools in a, in a conference that you'll be able to sell that generates a lot of money. And then I think it'll also be excellent in football too. So, I mean, if I'm Miami and just this purely hypothetical statement, I'm saying, all right, we got to figure this out. We need to find a way to be able to generate as much money for the program. And I think the best way to do that, if you can't get Notre Dame to join the ACC is to, pen- is to potentially look to, it, it, it's, it's clear that, you know, where your school is located on a map does not, necessarily indicate what conference that they have to play for. So, um, you know, why not <laughs> just, just yeah. see what happens at this point. I mean, I think it'll be better. I think overall it'll be better football. I think there, I think it'll have a case as the strongest academic conference. So I think that ultimately that could matter, uh, in a sense. And, you know, I think you, it also elevates the rest of the sports too, probably not baseball. Uh, but I mean, basketball, I think will be really competitive with some of those schools really good as well. So, you know, I think it'll be overall just a, a pretty cool move an interesting move. That'll definitely make way for some interesting matchups. Yeah. And, and look, I think it's worth pointing out, right? Like uh, I do think ideally the move 
from a Miami perspective, the best thing would be for Notre Dame to join the ACC. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, I think that would be best case scenario if Notre Dame joins the ACC. But if that doesn't happen, then I think it's fair to say, like if we're projecting, I don't know, 10 years from now, maybe even sooner than that, it, it appears things are trending towards either like a power two or a power three, maybe. And it looks like two, basically the, the backbones of those power conferences would be the SEC and the Big Ten, right? And so I think that's what you're speaking to. Like if Miami has the opportunity and, and let's be real too, it's going to cost money if Miami just jumps out of the ACC. Yeah. I think when Maryland did it, it cost them $50 million. Um, but I, you know, I think that they might've gone to the courts and, and knocked that number down slightly. Um, but that was, I believe back in 2012 when they did that. And so what I'm getting at is, you know, $50 million in 2012, it's going to be more than that in 2021, 22, 23, whatever it is. Um, if Miami decides to jump from the ACC, it would not be cheap at all. I don't know if it's feasible. Now, if the ACC crumbles somehow, then yeah, you wouldn't have to pay obviously a fee to leave the ACC. Um, so that's a scenario too, I guess, where everyone from the ACC just jumps to wherever they can go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the Big Ten, you know, I think maybe the first reaction to college football traditionalist is like, well, there's not any teams in that footprint, right? But I think we need to stop thinking like that with the way college football is trending. This is all about business. Like uh, college football is not going to be concerned about traditions or uh, how close your schools are to each other. I think it'd be nice if, if schools did have kind of, uh, you know, we're in the same footprint because that leads to rivalries, et cetera. Um, but at the end of the day, this is all about money. Um, and so, you know, if the Big Ten, I think it would be beyond like a Miami, North Carolina for this to happen. I think it'd have to be like, I don't know, eight ACC teams at least deciding to jump into the Big Ten, et cetera. So I like that that line of thinking, you know, and why is, why, why would teams want to leave the ACC? Right. Well, the ACC is stuck because they are in a contract that is, uh, through, I believe 2036 it's 2034, 2036. I forget the exact date, but that's, and, and right now they get about 32 ish million dollars a year, which isn't bad compared to the other conferences, uh, right now at this moment. But the problem is, um, all these other conference deals come up or are getting renewed within the next three or four years. So in the next three or four years, the ACC contract is going to be extremely outdated. And even then they will still have what about 10 more years on that deal. So the ACC needs to figure out a way to update this TV deal, however they can, um, so I'm going to throw this out there. And honestly, I don't know like how passionate I am about this, <laughs> but I think it, it's interesting long-term for Miami, for, not for Miami, for the ACC to think about investing in some AAC teams. 
And I think the crown jewel of that is UCF. Yeah. I think, I think Cincinnati is an interesting take, right? So I would start at those two. And, you know, if you wanted to add more, I think there's a, you know, I think Memphis is intriguing from a big city, big market standpoint, a team that has also shown the ability to win. Yes. SMU, I think, you know, maybe even Houston, you know, you're essentially trying to scoop up big markets. Um, I, you know, UCF honestly is a sleeping giant. Like their enrollment is what 60,000 students. It's crazy. Um, Really nice facilities too. Right. And so, you know, if they do get a chance at the power five, that what would that mean for Miami on the field? It'd be more competition in recruiting, et cetera, et cetera. So it might be tough for Miami in that regard, but in terms of the health of the ACC, I think that move makes sense all day. Cincinnati, I'd make the same argument for too. Um, That's an intriguing school. And so I think when you're thinking about it like that, like, the, the, the problem with that, though, okay, so UCF and a Cincinnati, right? The, the question, the TV side of things will come to the ACC with would be, okay, right now each school gets $30 million per year in the ACC. Does adding UCF and Cincinnati, do each of those schools bring in $30 million in addition? Like, why do we need to come with a new deal for UCF and Cincinnati? I think that's a fair point. I think the reason why the ACC might consider doing it is for the college football playoff expansion money. Um, From a standpoint of the way that the the proposal of the 12-team college football playoff, it does benefit a conference to have as many teams as possible in the CFP. Um, You know, as things stand now, each team that gets in that conference, well, as things stand now, each conference, the power five conferences get about $67 million from the CFP alone. And then for every team within that conference, you get an additional 6 million, right? Um, And the current CFP deal is for about $600 million. And the projection is you know, when the CFP expands to 12 teams, that TV deal will, will go for about $2 billion. So that basically, you know, easy math would triple everything. Uh, if things stand as they are today, which again, who knows if there's going to be a five-way split with the power five, four-way split, power four, three-way split, et cetera. But if things stood the way they do now with the CFP expanding to 12, each conference would get $201 million and then each team they get in would be an additional $18 million. And, you know, when it, when a conference can get, let's say six teams in a, in the college football playoff, that's an extra hundred million dollars. Right. And that money matters. So, you know, bringing in a UCF, bringing in a Cincinnati improves the depth I guess, of your conference. And I think that's what ESPN was paying for uh, with the SEC was that competitive depth. And so if I'm Miami, I'm thinking of it like an investment, like a stock, right? And I would, if I'm the ACC, yes, right now, um, 
the return on investment on taking a UCF or a Cincinnati might not be great, but maybe, you know, three, four years, five years down the road, I think there could be major return on that investment. So I don't know. What do you think of that? Just, I guess, starting with UCF and Cincinnati, and then maybe if, if it was worth it, I guess, taking other AAC teams. I love that. Honestly, just like I I'm with you, like I'm on the, I'm sort of on the UCF bandwagon in terms of just like them having the potential to be, to really make some noise as just like as a program, you know, I mean, they got the right guy in there with Gus Malzahn, a guy that's won a national championship before, um, you know, I've, I mean, my, my fiance went to UCF. So I've spent a bunch of time over there. I mean, it seems like, you know, the game day atmosphere is sort of where you want it to be. Uh, you know, the students are bought into the football program. Uh, there just seems to be a lot of excitement, like just in that Orlando area about the program. Like it just seems like a school that has the potential to take that next step. They have, again, the facilities are, are legit. Um, so, you know, I, I could see UCF being a program like that, 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 you know, eventually like you again, like David, like, like as a stock and you buy them now and like, you know, and they end up just sort of growing and growing and growing. And before you know it, I mean, you're looking at pit, you're looking at UCF in the same light. You're looking at, let's say a pit or a, a Virginia tech or an NC right. state. You're not looking at UCF like, Oh, they got UCF this week. So, you know, playing one of the worst teams, this new little team in the ACC. Like I could see eventually UCF being a team that could potentially compete for, you know, to, to win one of the divisions, you know, they're in, again, a recruiting hotbed in the, right in the heart of Florida, uh, you know, a ton of talent around the Orlando area, just in general or in the, in the state of Florida. So, I mean, I think that would be a good addition, you know, in terms of the conference. It can be, again, I don't know how much Miami would like that from a recruiting standpoint, because, right. uh, you know, that, that, became, that gives them another power five team that they have to compete with, you know, day in and day out for, you know, recruits and all that. But, but at know, the end of the day, this is all about money. Exactly. Right? If it's about money, this is, I feel like it's a no brainer. And then Cincinnati, right. again, big city in Ohio, uh, Luke Fickle is a guy that's done an excellent job. They came, they were like what a drive away from beating Georgia uh, in a major bowl game. And I, I think it was pretty sure it was a New York six game, you know, this past December. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a really good pro. I think both those are really good programs, programs that are on the rise that, you know, if you have the chance to add them now, in hopes of saving the conference, in hopes of potentially, you know, boosting this, you know, deal that would generate more money for the conference. I mean, I think you do it. I think you do everything in your power to get Notre Dame on board. Uh, maybe even go like grab like a West Virginia type or anything like that. And then you right. go after a UCF and a Cincinnati. And if that's just a start, I mean, I'm a fan of that. If it means keeping the ACC alive and putting more money in the pocket to those schools, because again, that's really what this whole deal is about. Yeah. And, and this is hard to discuss, right? Because I don't know what you think, Gabby, but in my opinion, I think in five to six years, the college football we know now will be unrecognizable. Like yeah. I, I just, I think everything's going to look totally different. I think some schools that have quote unquote been grandfathered in as power five schools, I think there's a chance they get bumped right from being power five football programs. Um, like Kansas football does not survive this. Right. Kansas football, or, you know, from an ACC perspective, like it's hard to justify Syracuse yeah. uh, getting the cut they get. Right. Because even, that even like a Duke too. I mean, I don't right. know. That's essentially what Texas and Oklahoma told the rest of the big 12 is we are propping you up. Why are you getting the same amount of money we are getting? Right. And uh, it's going to get cutthroat, I think. And I think in five to six years, things are going to look a lot different. The last thing I'll say is I just hope Miami slash ACC slash 
UM athletic director Blake James are all aggressive and nimble with whatever they decide to do. Um, because I think this is a time where you have to be extremely forward thinking and again, extremely aggressive. Uh, you can't just sit back and, and let things play out and, and you know be passive, in my opinion, because uh, the teams that are willing to be nimble, I think are gonna end up the best in the long run. Um, you know, this is a this is a 50 year decision time, not a five year decision time. So we'll see how it all plays out. It'll be interesting. Uh, I'm sure the news on all this realignment in general is not done. Um, but let's take a break here, Gabby. And on the other side, we will talk recruiting. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we are back. And Gabby, let's dive into recruiting. Um, I guess this week, it's notable because the uh, dead period uh, that, that was instituted for the first three weeks of July has now lifted. And so prospects can visit uh take unofficial visits to college campuses, get that FaceTime with, with coaches, et cetera, during this week. Um, so it, it's kind of a sneaky big week in the world of recruiting. Let's start here, though. Uh, on Sunday, Miami's biggest rival, Florida State, right? They received two commitments from uh, prospects in Dade County in three-star Dotri Richardson, Miami Central offensive tackle, and four. Is he a four star or three star? I always forget three with star. Daniel. Lyons. Yeah, he's a three star. Three star Daniel Lyons, the defensive tackle out of Homestead High School. Um, both of them committed to Florida State. Both of them, I think, were were you know, I think it's fair to say they were takes at Miami. Uh, were they like super strong, top target, top of the board type takes for Miami? I think that's up for debate. I don't think they necessarily were. But if they came to Miami and said, hey, I want in, I think Miami would have taken both of those guys. So let's just get your read, Gabby, on what, you know, was that a big blow for Miami, in your opinion, uh, losing those guys to Florida State? Um, I don't think it's so much of a blow, like on the field, as much as it is like a perception blow, you know, the idea that, you know, Florida state landed two guys that Miami was after, uh, you know, Daniel Lyons was a guy that they, that they liked the defensive tackle, uh, Daughtry Richardson is a guy, you know, he spent a bunch of time on Miami's campus throughout the month of June, uh, had that last official visit weekend for paradise camp. 
and he goes to he goes to Florida State. So, you know, on the surface, you know, it is going to look like Miami lost two recruiting battles to Florida State, which, you know, in that aspect, sure, yeah, that's not the best thing. Uh, but I think the reality of it is that, you know, Daughtry Richardson probably wasn't one of Miami's top, top targets in terms of guys that they truly, truly wanted to land, like like plan A type of guys. I think, again, Daughtry Richardson is a guy that they would have taken. Sure. But – you know, I, th- I don't think that he was just like maybe sitting at the top of the list for, for Garen Justice and those guys. So, you know, I, I mean, good, good for Florida State for winning that out. I think Kentucky almost swooped in there at the end and, and made something happen there. So, you know, Florida State was able to close and, you know, that's a nice pickup for them. Uh, Daniel Lyons, I think, is an interesting one. I'm not sure anyone really expected him to sort of pop this weekend until, you know, a couple crystal balls started rolling in. Uh, you know, I think it was Sunday, like early in the morning Sunday, and then he eventually did give his commitment. Um, you know, I think that's an inter- I think that's definitely a more interesting one, uh, sure. probably the bigger one out of the two, but you know, I think Miami still feels good about just how their defensive line board looks in general, in terms of the guys that they're sort of going after and their hopes for, for that position group. And so if in, in that case, uh, I think, I don't think it's like a detrimental blow to Miami's class at all. Um, you know, I, I do think that there's still plenty of, t- of options for them. And, uh, you know, I think, I think they've showed it already this week that, you know, they're going to continue to evaluate guys at the position and bring guys in and kind of see how things fall. Yeah. And I think you made the good point about like, I don't know how much this really means on the field. Um, and I think to that point, you know, look, I think both guys are solid players. I think both Daniel Lyons and Dotry Richardson's, you know, they're, they're type of players that are nice for, you know, some competitive depth. Are they necessarily the type of players that help you be Clemson? I think that's up for debate, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, look, Florida State won the recruiting battle. Hats off to them. Um, but you touched on it. Miami's kind of moving on at defensive tackle in particular. And they were able to get Isaiah Hastings out of uh, Clearwater Academy International. He's kind of an interesting prospect, kind of new to the scene. I guess let's just start there, Gabby. Um, Explain kind of his background and and what Miami fans need to know about him just as a player. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely just a guy that's really new. Um, You know, he moved from Toronto um, to Clearwater, like the Tampa area sort of, uh, just last month, uh, you know, with hopes of, you know, earning, you know, becoming a, a power five football player. He's picked up a whole bunch of offers. I mean, you got Michigan in there, Miami, uh, a bunch of other schools as well. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a guy that is, is very intriguing. I mean, he measured in at six foot four, uh, 301 pounds, you know, at Miami yesterday. So just definitely a guy that, you know, is really intriguing, has a basketball background, uh, you know, just one of those guys that, uh, you know, kind of checks some of the boxes that you're looking for in terms of just like, you know, we sort of mentioned it with Jalar Holly, right? Like, you know, guys that sort of looked apart that are kind of like more filled out, kind of have right. the frame that you want from an interior lineman. Like that's Isaiah Hastings all day. And, uh, you know, after they're able to get some eyes on him on Monday, I do think that he's, he's a name to know for Miami at the defensive line position. From his perspective, what type of impression do you think Miami made on him? Yeah, I think, I think Miami definitely made a, a really good impression. Uh, you know, he's going to go see Michigan this coming weekend, but you know, it sounds like Miami is going to be one of those schools that he's really considering again, like this recruiting process is like a month old to him. So, you know, I feel like right. he's just kind of taking in a lot of information right now from a lot of schools that are interested. 
So, um, you know, I, I do, I do think it's a good thing that, you know, Miami offered and he sort of made his way down with a couple of his teammates and got to sort of experience the school in an, in more of an intimate atmosphere because they were the only ones on campus. So they really got that personal time with the staff. So I think it, in terms of that, I think it was a, I think it was a great benefit to Miami in terms of just like the move that they sort of made with him. But, uh, you know, I think Miami's going to be in this recruitment the whole way. He made it seem like, you know, Miami's one of his favorite schools at this point. Um, he does have a good relationship with Sean Nua, the defensive line coach at Michigan. So we'll see how this weekend goes and how that sort of, you know, tur- twists and turns his recruitment. But, uh, you know, Miami's got, Miami has to feel good about, you know, where they're sort of st- sitting with him after that meeting. You mentioned it's very early in his recruitment, but is, is Michigan kind of the team to keep an eye on here in terms of Miami's top competition for him? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think he's gone up to Georgia tech too. I believe he camped at Florida state, but I don't think, this, I don't think Florida state offered him, but um, you know, it seems like Michigan's one of those schools that, you know, again, he, he's going there on his own to visit. You know, this is one of those things that he's kind of made, he's, they're figuring out a way for him to get up there. So uh, I think that's always an indicator of uh, some legitimate interest, uh, especially from a guy who, I mean, realistically has to make a decision, you know, probably relatively soon, just kind of being a guy that's like fresh on the scene and, you know, other schools kind of having an idea of what their defensive line boards sort of look like. So, you know, I think again, he's a, he's a guy that uh, is going to be interesting to see how quickly this recruiting process sort of goes. I'm not saying he's going to make a commitment anytime soon, but, um, you know, he has a lot less time than all of these other kids. Some of these kids have been, have been recruited for four years, three years, two years at this point. This kid's recruitment started in June, um, you know, probably going to sign in December. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting one. But, yeah, I think this Michigan trip will probably be um, a, pre- a pretty big tell of where he's sort of standing with him, with his recruitment. And it seemed like, you know, he was legitimately interested about those guys up there. I'm not sure if you know this, but, like, would – would distance be a factor there with, you know, obviously Ann Arbor much closer to Toronto uh, than Miami. You know, I think Ann Arbor might be like a five hour drive. Do you think that might play a role at all? Or, or is he and his family moved down to clear water now? Yeah, I actually don't know that. Uh, that's actually, I should probably try to figure that out, but I mean, that's something that could make sense. Uh, I feel like you yeah. see it a lot with the IMG guys, like, you know, typically they return to their home region you know, somewhere right. closer to home. So, uh, you know, with this Clearwater International, again, you're getting a lot of international guys, guys from out of the country. They brought an offensive lineman from Sweden. So, I mean, I, I feel like maybe these guys are just may- willing to kind of, you know, leave the nest with the uh, hopes of just chasing, you know, that dream. So maybe distance won't be a factor and they're just going to try to find the best situation. Um, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to end up working out, but yeah, that I could see that being a, a thing too, where you know Michigan is much closer to home than, let's say, a Miami was. Anything else to touch on with with the the group that visited with Hastings? You mentioned the Swedish twenty twenty three offensive lineman. Um, do you think he might be a name to know, or is it too early? Yeah, I, I think he is. You know, uh, from what I understand, he's a guy that Miami is definitely intrigued by. Uh, they offered him earlier maybe last week and you know got him on campus again this week six foot seven 300 pounds like you know he has he played basketball growing up he played soccer growing up just one of those guys that um you know just kind of did it all in sweden and has been playing football for like four years he said uh i i think that you know he's definitely gonna be a name to know he has a whole bunch of offers already oklahoma's already offered texas is offered texas a&m is offered uh, a lot of big time schools i believe michigan florida state have as well 
So, you know, I think he, he could end up being a guy in that 2023 class. I know some people are pretty high on him. I know Miami uh, definitely likes what they saw out of him on Monday. And uh, so I, I would expect them to, to continue to recruit him, you know, now that he is pretty close, you know, in terms of just like where he's going to be from a national perspective with, uh, you know, just being over in Clearwater. And another big recruiting event for Miami here this summer. Um, I guess they're planning to host a pool party of sorts on Saturday, right? I guess what details do we know right now? Um, Saturday afternoon-ish about is, is kind of what we're thinking now. Yeah. And uh, I know you're kind of gathering names, et cetera, but I wanted to get your thoughts on, on maybe some of the key names to know that, that you've kind of confirmed at this point that, that plan to be there. Yeah. I mean, I think probably the most interesting name so far is, is probably going to be Traquan Fegans. You know, the, he's a top hundred talent out of a, you know, just transferred to, to Thompson, which is a powerhouse program over in Alabama. Uh, you know, we kind of sort of have him on commit watch. Uh, he said that he kind of wanted to make a decision this month. Miami's the, the visit that he's going to take. So, you know, if the stars align there, I think that could be good news for Miami. If, uh, you know, Traquan Fegans is potentially, you know, pulls a the trigger there. Uh, so that'd be, that's probably going to be the storyline to watch of the weekend. Um, some other names to know, I mean, you know, uh, Jacurry Brown, the Miami's quarterback commit probably coming down. Uh, Chris Graves, the cornerback commit out of Fort Myers Bishop Road, he's probably going to come down. I mean, in the 2023 class, you got two five-star corners in Tony Mitchell, who's a teammate of Traquan Fegans and Jaleel Hurley, who has a little bit of a Miami connection, you know, played a, a seven on seven tournament with the Miami immortals. So, you know, a guy that people down here are familiar with. And so I think it's interesting. I think it's really interesting that both of those guys are going to be making their down their way down as well. And then, I mean, of course, probably some of the headliners are Nigel e. Kelly, the, you know, out of Fort Lauderdale Dillard, the top two, four, seven defensive lineman has been on Miami's campus multiple times already this summer. And then Wesley Besaint out of Miami central, probably definitely their top linebacker target on the board at this point. So, you know, definitely going to be some big names in Coral Gables uh, on Saturday. I unfortunately won't be there to cover it, David. I know you're going to hold it down for me, but yeah. uh, you know, it should be, it should be another good event. Miami's done a really good job getting guys on campus and uh, you know, sort of filling these events with big time names. So um, wouldn't be surprised if it's a much bigger, if it ends up being a much bigger showing than maybe we're aware of right now. Do you know, do we know yet what Shamar Stewart's plans are that weekend? Last I heard, he was going to be at Texas A&M. So okay. I think that, I think that's the plan that he's going to be, he's going to use his time to go see Texas A&M and see what's going on over there in College Station. Gotcha. And last thing before we get out of here, uh, Isaiah Horton, the four-star wide receiver out of the state of Tennessee, I guess he's going to make his college decision, right? Um Wednesday, uh, I guess noon, his time, one o'clock Eastern. Um, how, how do we feel about that commitment announcement going into it? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm feeling really good about where Miami stands right now. You know, I think that they've done a, a really good job recruiting him. Uh, again, it's kind of, it kind of came down to a Miami-Tennessee battle. I think Tennessee is probably still trying to work some back channels and try, maybe try to get him on campus. Uh, either, you know, at, at some point, uh, well, maybe to, I don't know. I know that they, I believe that they've tried, but not sure if that's going to happen. I think all signs are pointing to him picking the hurricanes. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I think it would be a big win for Miami if they were able to pull him out, especially away from Tennessee, away from Florida, Alabama, or some of the other schools involved as well. 
So, um, you know, I think if Miami were to pick up his commitment uh, on Wednesday, uh, I definitely think it would be it would be great news for Rob Likens just in terms of what he's looking to add to the room. You know, kind of been indicating that they're really looking to add length, add size to the position. And Isaiah Horton is a 6'3", 190, uh, a state champ up in Tennessee. So, you know, I feel like he kind of checks a lot of the boxes for Miami. And uh, so, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I feel good about Miami right now, but uh, it's recruiting and it's uh, right. ever-changing. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes heading into the recruitment, uh, to the commitment tomorrow. Yeah, the crystal ball currently reads, you know, as of Tuesday afternoon, 2 o'clock, uh, 100% Miami on the crystal ball, including Tennessee insider Ryan Callahan has his crystal ball on Miami. Uh, Tennessee is kind of viewed as, as the top competition right now. You know, I will say this, like I've never seen, I haven't seen Isaiah, uh, compete in person. He's from Tennessee. Um, but I think Miami, it, it would be an impressive recruiting win over sec programs that are either highly interested or, or kind of sniffing around them. Obviously beating out the in-state school, Tennessee is impressive. You know, the volunteers, uh, with their first year coaching staff there want to lock down the in-state talent. And so winning a battle against Tennessee, I think is, is a very good sign, uh, for Miami's recruiting abilities. Um, and then, you know, the fact that Alabama and Florida were interested on some level in Horton, I think speaks to his talent overall. So I'm with you. I think his highlights impressive. It'd be a nice little get for Miami. If he does in fact, uh, make his commitment to the Hurricanes. So anything else to touch on Isaiah or should we get on out of here? I think I think that's it on my end. Okay, cool. Good stuff as always, Gabby. Um, we'll see. We might have another podcast this week. We'll see if there's any more news dropping, particularly uh, on the recruiting front um, with the pool party approaching. So uh, for David Lake and Gabby Arutia. Appreciate you guys listening and take care till next time, guys. Thanks. Later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.